it seems like it was just far too recently that I came to you guys uh, to speak about the passing of a, of a legend from my childhood and here we are again uh, unfortunately um, we all lost a great legend and a credit to the business in Rowdy Roddy Piper on Friday um, I'm going to do a much more proper uh, complete retrospective um, podcast just based around him, like I did for Dusty Rhodes. Uh, so this this episode is not that, as I haven't really had time to uh, 
want to do the proper research and, and get things all in order and uh, all in a row to do the best possible job that I can for uh, Roddy. Um, just a very unfortunate thing for, for all of us. Um, his influence on every heel in the business uh, and just anybody who wanted to try and work a mic is, is, cannot be properly conveyed. Um, just a huge influence on so many guys. So many guys who were convinced to pursue wrestling because they liked seeing him and what he did. Um, so many memories, so many of my early memories of when, uh, in my formative years as a fan, uh, watching him. And, uh, he was also, I mean, pretty, pretty damn awesome in some of his spots that he got later on when I was, uh, more of a grown up fan and when he was in WCW and, uh, some of those matches. So, uh, we'll be back soon with a full on just Roddy Roddy Piper episode when I can get the proper research together and uh, do him, well, the best job that I can at doing it justice. There will probably be a ton of uh, podcasts and editorials out from much uh, much more prestigious individuals than I coming out this week. I'm sure uh, Jim Cornette will have a talk on him. I know Jim Ross has post- posted in his blog and stuff, so uh, check that out. And if you don't know that much about Hot Rod, you can damn well bet for sure when I do do the Hot Rod episode... Um, and then the coming weeks, I will have, just as I did with British Dusty Rhodes, kind of a highlight tape stuff you guys can go back and check out. Um, see Hot Rod at his best. Um, moving, well, hopefully we all can move on in, in, a, in a bigger uh, picture way uh, in the next couple of weeks. But just for the show here, um, just going over some, some news and notes from earlier on in the week. Um, not a whole lot, just mostly, uh, <laughs> the news mostly consists of people leaving TNA, um, as more and more rats jump from the sinking ship. Uh, there are conflicting reports as to whether or not MVP actually just left on his own accord or was fired. Um, the entire fiasco that went down with Hernandez, where I guess MVP brokered the deal and Hernandez came in, but Hernandez's contract wasn't really ready to go the way it should be as far as being done with Lucha Underground. And so they had to undo a bunch of segments with them. You know, your usual TNA bullshit. Um, so he had to go back. MVP left later on this week. Uh, all I can say is, you know, good for him. I thought it was going to be a, a good get for them when he came over, but uh, obviously it went absolutely nowhere and did absolutely nothing. Um... I don't know if there's a particular spot for him in the current climate of the WWE. Um, I always thought he was a pretty decent worker, had the op- had the ability when put with um, the right amount of talented guys to put on a pretty good match. Um, I just don't know if there's a spot for him in today's climate of the WWE. He'd make a really good uh, asset to NXT as a um, part you know part time guy, uh, decent name that's down there like uh, like Rhino is. That would be pretty cool. Um, another guy who is extremely unfortunate because I think he's a little too old to be picked up by the WWE, but uh, one of my favorites uh, and, and a TNA original, James Storm, also officially broke off from TNA this week. Um, I expect full, full-fledged, full uh, wholeheartedly expect to see him show up in GFW any day now, probably at their next tapings, their next TV tapings, which... 
By the way, I learned after last week's uh, podcast the ticket prices for the lower bowl of the Orleans Arena were reduced from $30 to $10 for the next GFW TV taping. So between the shitty production, the TNA light, and uh, the reduced ticket prices, it doesn't feel like this is um, getting off to a, a blazing... Uh, a blazing downhill avalanche of momentum, shall we say, for GFW. So, uh, well, that was fun while it lasted. It was fun having hope for a little while. Um, let's see. Other wrestling news. Wasn't a whole lot. Um, I guess the prior reports that Sting was going to be in SummerSlam, the six-man tag, ended up not being um, completely correct. Imagine that. Something from the dirt sheets not being completely correct. Uh, he it doesn't. He looks like he's just going to show up at the uh, weekend signing deal, which, on the one hand, I think I'm fine with because, uh, you know, the tag team match between Roman Reigns and Dean Ambrose against the Wyatts, as they are currently comprised, sounds real good to me and, you know, could be a real bust-ass match. Um, but I was hoping, I read reports online and it was trending number one on Twitter for a little while that Adam Rose was going to go back to the Leo Kruger uh, character that so many of us from the early days of NXT all know and wholeheartedly love and he was going to be the third Wyatt to you know um, to join up so that they could make it a six man and now that it's not going to be a six man anymore that makes me very upset and concerned that maybe we're not going to get Leo Kruger. I hope that is a something that goes that goes on ahead forward without it necessarily um, needing to be part of the Wyatts. Because that character was fantastic and you're really wasting a talent in uh, Adam Rose being what he is right now. Um, we all saw John Cena's incredibly busted, crooked destroyed nose. I guess he's going to be out for a few weeks, and he's being replaced by Cesaro, Cesaro on the Australian and Homeside um, house show tours. I I like that it seems like they're getting behind Cesaro, and this is probably wishful thinking on my part, because it's just not how this works um, when you're trying to put a guy in the position that looks like they're trying to push Cesaro, Cesaro to. But, why... <sighs> You don't need to book him into promos the same way that you book uh, everybody else and, you know, your big face characters into promos. Like, he doesn't need to be cutting these long promos where he's trying to, like, cut down and verbally spar with bad guys and do all this stuff. No. Cesaro should just be a soft-spoken man of few words. I just fucking hurt people and that's all I'm about I don't need to do this all this trash talking my actions in the ring do my trash talking he could do you know he could be built kind of the way um the way that Taz used to cut a lot of his promos um with the same sort of of theory um back in ECW where Taz used to say I don't need weapons my hands are weapons Cesaro can say I don't need to run around here talking. I don't need to squawk like a chicken like the rest of you. My actions in the ring will do the talking for me. And then he goes out there and does the things that he does and just wrecks people. I don't I don't think that that I mean, you can't do that for everybody and yes, your casual your regular usual hero in the WWE is going to be, you know, uh 
talk a lot of trash and try to be funny and be this, that, and the other, but you don't need everybody to be cut out of the same cookie-cutter mold. He could go on there and, man, a few words, I just beat people's asses, and I'm going to show you what I'm going to do. He should keep it, you know, keep things very short and simple uh, because it just, it, it, they need to protect guys better, and they, they think they do that by scripting out these promos, but the way they could really do that is just letting them do talking that they can do well and that comes naturally to them. And for Cesaro, it would work a lot more naturally for him if he could keep things short, sweet, to the point, and serious, uh, that he was just going to destroy people. Um, but at least, you know, for once, it looks like they really are trying to push him and give him a chance. Um, today's guest is going to be, once again, uh, Ty Berna, and he has some pretty big news, or I have some pretty big news for you guys. Um, after we finish up the rest of these NFL divisional previews, we are going to be giving you guys a whole new channel. Ty is going to break off uh, on his own lonesome, and he is going to hit up a new podcast. It is going to be the Gridiron Wars podcast. It will be a a a child, a a, a uh, offspring of this podcast, the Wrestling Wars podcast. The Gridiron Wars podcast, like I said, will begin in a few weeks after we finish these NFL divisional previews. And on that podcast, Ty is going to hit up uh, weekly reviews of the NFL and some NCAA action. And of course, I will be jumping on there at times to talk about our divisional previews and also keep on updating our fantasy football uh, recommendations, talk about the teams that we have. Ty and myself are in a dynasty league together and we are in a money league together. So we will be updating how those leagues are going and our our fantasy football recommendations on a weekly basis. Um, so everybody, once we get that going, if you are interested in these football episodes, Go run right over there and check them on out. Um, as you, <laughs> so hopefully it'll it'll help two groups of people. It'll help the group of people that just want to hear me talk wrestling 100% of the time on here, and it'll help the people who love the football aspect of it. And myself and Ty can uh, stretch our legs a little bit more on some more football and fantasy football talk. So uh, for the, the that part, we're gonna jump right into that, and we will get that fantasy preview in. Um, as soon as I get through, uh, what are we looking for for Raw tomorrow night? Um, it's, it'll be interesting to see if they keep on building forwards with uh, what Seth Rollins did to John Cena. Um, some people, you know, people who are Cena haters, who are idiots, thought that maybe that you know they might spin it like they're gonna they're gonna punish Seth Rollins for this. Um, absolutely not. I mean, you got to try and make uh, chicken salad out of chicken shit. Um, it's chicken shit that you're not going to have John Cena available to you because of this injury, but at the same time, you can use it to, as I always harp on on here, use it to put over a bad guy, and looks like uh, from SmackDown, that's what they were already doing. Um, as far as what else we hope to see on Raw, I really hope we could see more continuation of the Wyatts and uh, Roman Reigns and Dean Ambrose. Maybe I'll just call him the Shield, so I don't have to go all the way out of my way to say the whole long names. Um... I think that program has been awesome. I loved it before they added the extra elements to it. I'm continuing to love it. 
There's a lot of intensity. There's a lot of anger. It's a violent feud. I hope they let them go crazy with a brutal, um, you know, get real, get a real brutal uh, gimmick match going at SummerSlam. I hope that's the way they they culminate that whole thing. The Divas, quote unquote, revolution is continuing. Um, there are decent matches. I like seeing them have time. A lot of people are saying, you know, is this really gonna? Is this really going to change things? Is this going to change the perception? Look, I'm going to tell you right now, they're clearly getting the chance. They're clearly getting more time. If the ratings, if the segments pop more numbers, if the merchandise sells, if people shows an interest, then it will continue to happen. Um, But that's... You can't blame WWE after this, unless, obviously, they turn a blind eye to um, success of the segments and success of the people, which it wouldn't be the first time that we have seen that. Uh... So we'll have to see how they address the Cena, the John Cena-sized hole in the show, since he always comprises quite a large part of it. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing the New Day and the, just the whole tag division in general. They had a really fun eight-man tag match the other night with some really fun, com- funny commentary from uh, the primetime players. Uh, so I'm hoping to see just more stuff out of the tag division. They've all been hot lately. New Day the primetime players. Um, it's all been really fun to watch. So we hope to see more of that. Uh, so with the uh, raw primer in the bag, we will jump right into the NFL divisional preview. We'll be going with the AFC East this week. The Patriots, the Bills, the Dolphins, and one other team, the Jets. Everybody always forgets about the Jets. Why wouldn't they? So, hope you guys enjoyed the visual preview. And remember, Gridiron Wars podcast coming very soon for all your NFL needs after we wrap up these divisional previews. Ryder Ride Piper, thank you very much, sir, for all you've done. And I will hit up your special podcast very soon. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. We are back. We got Ty back again. The hundreds of thousands of dollar man, the equalizer. My football and fantasy football expert. He's joining me again. We're going to go over the AFC East this time. Uh, A lot of moves getting made up there. It's a league where everybody is consistently trying to catch the New England Patriots. Um, And it'll be, that will be the case again this year. Um, What do you think of, well, let's start at the top. The Patriots, the Roger Goodell situation. Deflate gate, all that. What's what's your take overall on that on that whole story? That's a joke. It's uh, it, it got overblown way more than it needed to be because you know the whole deflate gate thing was oh well they used underinflated footballs against the Colts. I don't think they even needed underdeflated footballs to destroy the Colts like they did because that only lasted absolutely for like the, not. The first half is the only time the balls were underinflated. And the second half is when the Patriots scored more points anyways. Well, let me, let me uh, for all of our listeners, our international peeps who might not know that much about uh, the NFL or know anything about the story. Um, basically, what the situation was on this, uh, the Patriots were accused of under-inflating. There's a regulation inflation point for footballs in the NFL um, that uh, they must be inflated to such an amount. And the reason that one would underinflate a football is because 
Um, it makes it easier to grip. If the ball is softer and has less resistance, less air pressure pumped up into it, you can squeeze it better with your fingers. And so you would maybe do this to get an unfair advantage, say, in a cold weather game where a really puffed up um, rock hard football would be harder to grip in cold weather with the uh, with the uh, numb fingers. And so that's what the Patriots are accused of doing, that they underinflated their footballs purposely so that they could grip them easier and that that gave them some sort of uh, advantage. Now, um, and it's it's being put forward by uh, various peoples that um, Tom Brady uh, knowingly had footballs underinflated and communicated with the uh, equipment staff of the team to have that done to make it easier for him. Now, where people like myself and Ty say that this is fucking ridiculous to even bring up in regards to Tom Brady is the fact that um, when all this went down, Tom Brady was uh, shredding another team for all kinds of copious amounts of yards, and it didn't really have an outcome on the game, and there's no actual physical proof that Tom Brady knew anything about the footballs being deflated or what their inflation level was. It's just circumstantial evidence. Um, the commissioner laid down a four-game suspension originally. It's come down to two games, and now they have appealed even the two games. Tom Brady says, no, I'm not taking any suspension whatsoever because you have no proof that I knew anything about this. Um, and I agree with him. So that's the situation. Ty thinks it's fucking bullshit. As do I. It's bullshit. Yeah. Just... They were trying to make a story out of nothing, basically. They had, um, you know, it just really shines a whole light on the whole system they have for appeals and suspensions and all that shit. Yeah. Um, Roger Goodell cannot be judge, jury, and executioner like this anymore. It's just there's no way to... There's no way to do it without keeping it fair. They need to have a third-party... A third-party that's neutral handle this from here on out. I don't think there would be any more complaints after that. Um, the NFL really opened themselves up to this litigation that's going to be upcoming. I don't think they've actually announced that it's been knocked down to two games. I think they're still... Yeah, they're dragging out coming up with the uh, you know, the actual end ruling on all this. Yeah, they're they're dragging their feet because the NFL is trying to, is trying to come up with the ruling so that they can give them two games, I think, essentially and make it so that it's impervious to any sort of litigation they put out there, which ain't going to happen. Um, if Tom Brady takes it to court, he'll probably win. Um, yeah. I've, I've read so many different um, analysis by by lawyers and whatnot, and they say Brady's pretty much got this in the bag. So the NFL's kind of stuck right now. They're trying to make it so that they can avoid that litigation but also not have egg on their face. I don't think they can have it both ways. It's going to be. I mean, if they go to litigation, they're going to get they're going to get smacked in court real bad. So it's it's going to be a lose lose either which way for Goodell, and it's just going to be another black mark on him being a commissioner. Yeah, trying to be the almighty god, if you will, of the NFL. Um, but it should have never gotten to this point in the first place. The players' association should have got that in writing on their last CBA agreement that Goodell was not the judge, jury, and executioner. But for whatever reason, they did not yeah. even touch that part, which made no goddamn sense to me. Yeah. So, let me ask you, if, okay, the, the three different scenarios. 
say the suspension does hold up four games are the Patriots going to be that much worse off for four games that they're that they're going to be taken out of contention and be having a rough time no I don't think so so the answer will be the same then obviously for two games yeah yeah I got to agree. They still got a good offensive line. They still got a big bruising running back in Legarrette Blount. Um, they still got Bill Belichick, the best head coach in the NFL, um, and their best player as far as weaponry is a tight end. Anyways, and who is that young tight end going to throw to? The t- or who is that young quarterback who's going to replace Tom Brady for those games? Going to throw to that tight end, Rob Gronkowski. Everybody's going to know that, but it's not going to matter because Rob Gronkowski, when he plays and he's healthy, it's like a dad playing football against his their, his children and their friends. Of how much faster and bigger and stronger he is than everybody. So, I agree. I don't think it's going to affect uh I don't I mean, it might affect a, affect a little bit, but I don't think it's going to stop them from being able to be at the top of this division. Belichick had Matt Castle after Brady went down, what was it, a few years ago? Yeah. And Brady got his ACL torn. Mm-hmm. It took Matt Castle to a 10-6 and six record. Yep. You know, like, and I'm pretty sure Jimmy Garoppolo has far better potential than... Yeah, Matt, Matt Castle, Castle wasn't even a fucking, wasn't even a prospect when he came in and he replaced even, Brady. He didn't even play a game in fucking college. He was a yep. backup in college his whole life. Yep. And so, so, so Garoppolo has at least better... Uh, athletic tools available to him and that end you know Belichick's a great coach who the fuck was Tom Brady the first time he came into a game you know what I mean and and they helped him get to get to build up to where he is so I I agree I don't I don't see it being killing their season uh whether he he stays out or not um so do you still got him pegged in for the usual uh 11 12 13 wins that the Patriots so regularly turn out yeah, um, I do have some slight reservations. That secondary one. I have some questions B- about the secondary. I do too. I do their, too. Their secondary one from Beasley to uh, who the fuck are these guys aside from Devin McCourty? Yeah. But remember, uh, I mean, the Patriots did go. Wasn't that one of their Super Bowl years when fucking Troy Brown was playing defense for them? A slot yeah. receiver was playing defensive back for them just because they had nobody else? I mean, Belichick can make stuff work, man. He beefed up that front seven is what he did. That too, uh, yep. He What he did, and I see this, he always goes against the trends for some reason. Um, they Everyone else beefed up their front seven and let the secondary handle it from there. And so he beefed up the secondary because his front seven was weaker. And now that his secondary is weak, he's beefing up his front, front seven, seven again. Yeah, yep. So he, he he's like the ultimate fucking chameleon when it comes to coaches. Yeah. He his offense has changed so dramatically over the years. When he had Moss and Welker and you know and all those guys, um, they were a vertical passing team. They didn't run the ball for shit. Have over, you know receivers to take it off the top. Now it's become a let's grind it out with the running game with you know whatever running back they ever decide to put in there for some goddamn reason. Yeah. Uh, you know, they had Jonas Gray in there last year for one game, ran for over 200 yards. Never saw him again. Didn't see the field the rest of the year. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's like it's like the ultimate Shanahan system, if yeah. you will. Uh, take any random running back and he'll turn into a beast. 
and that took the pressure off Brady to have to try and be the world beater. Yeah. And then now you got Gronk that just takes out the middle, and that just leaves it open for Amendola. I think I think it's going to be worse. It's going to be worse for teams if the if the suspension does stand up, because Brady's going to come back. He's going to be pissed, yes. and Bill Belichick is going to be fucking pissed when he comes back from that suspension. And I mean, it'll be fun in games, you know, if he does get suspended for those first four games where they might go two and two or one and three and everybody will be having a great fucking time. But you remember what happened last year when they got their asses whipped by the Chiefs and everybody said, oh, the Patriots are done. The dynasty's over. Yeah, they yeah. went out and beat the shit out of everybody for the rest of the year. So or let's, or let's go back to uh, Spygate. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, and the they came fight. out and dropped fucking bombs on everybody for the whole regular season. Yeah, they fucking went sixteen and zero and destroyed everyone on their path. Yeah, so go ahead. I mean, <laughs> I don't think it's gonna. The, the rest of the teams in the league better hope that that suspension does not stand up because they're gonna be in for a rough ride when when Brady comes back. I think they're gonna be in a pissed off mood either which way. Either way, yeah, because people have been trying to trying to doubt their legacy and uh, call them cheaters again for this off season. So. Yeah. So even with the secondary issues, do you see them at least eleven? Yeah, eleven wins. Yeah. Okay. They're, one, they're one of the top teams in the AFC again, no question. I think uh, next we can go with. Well, let's see. We'll, we'll let you pick who we go with next. Which one of those two teams that made all those moves? Which one has done enough to catch up or to try and catch up? Miami or Buffalo? That that's tough. I, I'm I'm kind of a coin flip between the two of them. I I like Miami's quarterback better, obviously, because there's nobody. In yeah, because Buffalo. Buffalo doesn't have one. <laughs> um, I think I like the running game better for Buffalo. Yeah, I like Buffalo's defense a little better than Miami's. So I'm gonna go with Buffalo just because they can run the ball and their defense is fucking scary. Okay, so we'll go Buffalo next. Um. Our favorite subject, our favorite guy, the best uh, human being on planet Earth from the last time we, we had you on for an NFL Divisional preview, uh, Shady McCoy, got yep. traded to Buffalo. Um, he had some great talent and some great skills his first few years in the league. Fell off a little bit, but there's still quite a bit of talent there. Uh, Rex Ryan, obviously his past supports this. And the fact that they have no quarterback also supports this. He said he's going to feed Shady McCoy the rock every which way, every chance he gets. He'll probably get the most touches of any running back in the league uh, until he either hurts or get or quits, which I foresee both happening. Um, but uh, so what do you what? Do you, and then that defense last year was already one of the best defenses in the league, and now they have a great defensive coach in Rex Ryan. Who's going to put these guys to good use if they can get any production, if they can get anything from the quarterback position, this could be a very, very dangerous team. Yep. And what I don't think, what people are not realizing here, and this is, I'm not saying this is going to happen, or, but just to watch, look out for this, um, Tyrod Taylor is quarterback on Buffalo. He's one of the three who are going to be competing for the starting job. Um, when he was in Baltimore, the year that Baltimore drafted Joe Flacco, Tyrod Taylor was supposed to be the starter. He beat Joe Flacco out in training camp, but he got sick. I think he got food poisoning or he got mono or something like that 
to where he was, comp or he had to get his tonsils removed or some crazy shit that happened out of nowhere. And so he was knocked out for three or four weeks coming back from it. Or I think he had appendicitis and he was out for a month or something like that. And then, of course, Joe Flacco came in. He performed really, really well. Um, and Tyrod Taylor never got back on the field. But he has all the talent in the world. And I think I've heard a lot of things that Rex Ryan, it was his big idea to get Tyrod Taylor into that team for that competition. So uh, I would keep an eye on that. Not only that, but I think Castle... Castle, I mean, last year, you know, as a Vikings fan, you know, I got to watch Castle up close. The first few games before they faced the Patriots, I mean, he was not bad. Okay. I mean, he wasn't going to light the world on fire. Yeah. But, um, if you, you know, he, was, he wasn't making too many mistakes. He wasn't making mistakes. He was making clean passes, um, moving chains when necessary. Um, yeah. Wasn't horrible. Wasn't bad. Wasn't bad. It was a lot better than I was fearing. Until that Patriot game when he completely fell apart for whatever reason. Um, he just... But that's... You're going to get that with Matt Castle. You're going to have games where, you know, solid, if not spectacular play. Yeah, yeah unspectacular, yeah. Um, and then you're going to have some games where it's just like, how is he a quarterback in the NFL? Um, yeah, yeah. If you can have more of the solid games than the, you know, what the fuck is he doing games... I think they'll be a, they'll be all right. They just need a and they just need someone to kind of steady that offense. Yeah. Um. And let Shady McCoy do his thing. You know they still got Sammy Watkins on the outside. You know if they can get that running game going and get that play action going, Castle is great in play action. Okay. He's absolutely awesome in play action, and that's where we were kind of banking on last year until the whole Peterson situation came up. Um. Once we lost that play action, he wasn't so good anymore. Yeah, but if, if you can establish that run game and get it going, Castle can destroy you with the play action. And I think that's kind of what they're banking on if Castle wins the starting job. Um, I don't see EJ Manuel being any sort of competition. No, he's been there how many years, and he still hasn't ever got. He back. was. He never lived up his potential in college. I that right. was insane from day one for them to fucking to draft him in the first round. Um, yeah. So, if Castle can come in, stabilize that position, or you know, be somewhat decent, you know, maybe make a couple plays a game, um, let their defense just grind down up the opposing team, and let the running game do its work, I think they could very well be a wild card team at the very least. Okay. You don't? Do you think that they're a threat to the Patriots or no? No. No. No threat, uh, it, but you think they can be a wild card team and maybe make I, some noise. I think they can be a wild card team. They're they're going to be the type of team you don't want to face in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, just because they have that, um, they just have that foundation for a team that can just grind you down when you, when an ugly you know four, uh, thirteen to six game in the late and, and that's what people say, man. It's it's a dangerous thing in the playoffs because defense and running games travel. Yep. You can pack and, your defense and running game, and they come with you everywhere. So follow the Seahawks formula. Yep. yep. Yep, exactly. Um, so, yeah, I can't um, can't disagree with you with your assessment. Um, if they can get something, anything from that quarterback position, uh, it could be a, a pretty serious situation for for any teams that they're playing. Um, so the the other team that we discussed that didn't quite edge them out, uh, the Dolphins also made a ton of moves. Um, brought in Kenny Stills, a game breaking receiver. Uh, 
Brought in Indomitian Sue to solidify the defensive line on the other side. Um, brought in Jordan Cameron, a great athletic uh, pass catching tight end underneath. Um, both got brought in Greg Jennings, who will be a, a solid uh, possession, possession receiver for them. Yep. Um, both Cameron and Jennings really play into the strengths of Ryan Tannehill, who is extremely, who is mobile and very accurate underneath. So, not so good. Not so good on the deep passes. Not so good on the deep passes. I just asked Mike Wallace, um, but I think they have a chance to be very dangerous as well. Um, yep. If Tannehill, Tannehill's got to take that next step. Um, if he takes that next step, Miami could very well jump over Buffalo, in my opinion, and possibly be a threat to the Patriots. I was just about to say, depending on how much of a next step. I mean, if he steps up and becomes a top top eight, top six, top five quarterback in the league, which is not out of the question, which with the offense that they're running down there and the people that they brought in, they could threaten to win this league. I don't know. Here's, here's the thing with Tannehill. When he was drafted, everyone knew he was a raw prospect yep. coming in. It's going to take a little bit for him to develop. Last year you saw some, some really good things, but he has no deep ball. Yeah. That's kind of scary. That's, you know, like, you don't throw the deep ball that often, but you got to be able to hit those 20, you know, that around that 20 to 35 range consistently, somewhat consistently. Um, you know, even the best passers, they only hit those about 45, 50, you know, maybe 45 to 50% of the time. Okay. Um, Tannehill is not anywhere close to that, and that's – it's great if you're that short, you know, I can hit it from 6 to 12. Okay, fine. But eventually you just stack them up real close, put some press coverage on there, and who are you going to throw to if it's got if you got press like that? Well, the thing is, is that offense is a lot like the Eagles offense. So even though his talents isn't the deep ball, that's not really the offense's uh, design anyway, so I don't. I, I never thought. I mean, it's, I mean, obviously you'd like it. You would like for him to have a better deep ball uh, ability, but um, I don't think. I don't think it plays into as much um, him taking the next step as as some may. It's 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 part of it. It's yeah. it's. I, I would say it's a good part of it. Um, you know, and I'll, I'll compare this to what I saw from Teddy Bridgewater last year. Teddy was kind of like Tannehill, where he kept. You know, Turner kept his passes super short. Um, you know, quick outs, you know, six to, you know, five to eight yards a pass wasn't anything spectacular. But towards the end of the year, Teddy was hitting that those passes in that 20 yard range, just getting that nice chunk of yardage. He does, you know, deep ball doesn't have to be a 70 yard touchdown bomb, you know, to qualify as a deep pass. But if you can get that 20 yard range, you know, you pick up a nice chunk of yardage like that, that can make a whole difference in your offensive uh, series. It can. And. You look at all the great quarterbacks. How many times have you seen Rodgers has hit that nice seventeen-yard out to fucking Jordy Nelson, you know, on a crossing route? Yeah. It's not a. It's not going to get you points, you know, at that very play, but it's going to get you in a nice position to go that route. Tom Brady does the same shit to Gronkowski. Breeze did it consistently all the time too. Manning is the fucking lethal weapon of that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's the type of skill you need to get to that upper echelon. And Tannehill has got to show that, and if he does, I think Miami's going to be scary as hell. If he can hit that twenty-yard range, that twenty-plus little, you know, a little more consistently, um, they're going to be super dangerous. That running game with Lamar Miller and Jay Ajayi behind him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
just awesome, you know. But Tana, I don't know. The reason why I put Buffalo above them is because Buffalo has a more um, developed foundation to be better, if you, if that makes sense. Um, well, that and it, if you think about, you know, when things start to matter, come December time, are the Dolphins going to be able to pack up that, that, that nifty, uh, dainty little offense and go up to Buffalo, Buffalo. in the winter? Or go New up England. to New England in the winter? While we're talking about this, can we go ahead and say that Miami kind of got fucked in the whole divisional <laughs> whole divisional setup here? Let's see. The other teams in the division are New York, Boston, and Buffalo, and they're in fucking Miami. How the fuck did they not get into the AFC South? They're the, the most southern team in the NFL. Right. It sucks. Uh, uh, yeah. Historic, no, historical. I understand. I agree. But Miami gets a Miami gets a uh, benefit in the summer, though, or like you know, that August early September. season. Yeah, 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 because they get to play in ninety-seven degree weather, and they're used to it, and they can wear their white jerseys and make the other team wear the colored one, which makes them warmer. Yeah, yeah. They did that. They did that against Oakland. Oakland had to wear their black jerseys yeah. in ninety-eight degree weather down in Miami. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. I wouldn't want to do that. Um. Anyways, their offensive line. Middle of the pack. I wouldn't say anything spectacular. Yeah, and even with even with Indomitian Sue on the defense, I still feel like the defense is is middle of the pack as well. Um, they got some you, good pieces though. They got Kalias Campbell. They you, got Cameron Wake. They got Sue. They got Rashad Jones. They you pay all this money for one guy, and then you're still sagging in a, in a lot of spots. But I do agree yeah. they do have some decent playmakers, so maybe that'll be able to balance it out a little bit for them. I think. Um, Sue's gonna Sue's gonna open up a lot for everyone else in that defensive line, is what the key is there. Um, his stats may not show the impact. One of those situations because everyone's gonna key on him blocking him. Yeah. Double double team Sue all the time. Well, you got Calais Campbell and Cameron Wake. Yep. Rushing the passer then. Okay, so they get ten sacks each. That's that's huge right there. If you get ten sacks on each of your ends, that is huge. Big that time. also helps. You know, that type of pressure on the opposing quarterback will allow your secondary to make a lot of plays as well, too, even if it's underwhelming. Going back to that whole New England scenario that we talked about earlier. It's true. It's true. So, yeah, I think in the long run, it's got to be, it's all it's all based on where Tannehill comes up. Yep. Because they he don't could, have... He could make or break. I mean, he could swing them from 8-8, eight 9-7 and, eight, nine and seven to... 12-13 if he really steps up into the next level and those weapons uh, end up turning out well for him. I just don't know what I think of them um, you know, from December going on after that. Yep. Because it's an offense based on speed, timing, um, you know, just feels like just the type of offense that's going to get all smashed apart in December in the playoffs Yeah. by the big boy teams. And speaking of their offense, uh, Lamar Miller, do you think he – I don't know if he stays with Miami after this year. Yeah, I don't know either. Uh, and we'll discuss this, or by the time this has been released, uh, possibly have already discussed it. But uh, I don't know what the deal is down there. I don't know if he if he banged some coach's daughter or, like, what the fuck is happening. But they just don't seem to like him, and I don't understand why, because he is – a 1,500-yard rushing season just waiting to happen. And yep. they just don't use him. And and 
try everything they can to sub other people in. I mean, they had Daniel Thomas there trying to take carries from him. Um, no they Sean, drafted they drafted Jay Ajayi. Um, no Sean Marino. No last Sean Marino year. last year. I, I don't understand why they hate Lamar Miller so much, but um, it does feel like a situation where he'll probably move on next year. Yeah, he, he's not going to get paid by Miami, that's for sure. No, no, especially not with that contract that Sue just got. There's, they're not going to have much money to give. No. Nope. Um, I do like Cameron at the tight end position. I feel that that might actually be an upgrade from where they were. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure, especially in this offense. He fits perfect in this offense. If so, he stays healthy. It, yeah, well, always. Yep. <laughs> concussion. He's like the concussion master over there. How he's even in the league anymore is kind of scary. Speaking of which, did you know that Wes Welker is still out there? Yeah. Still a free agent? I think both of us, either one of us would be would welcome him with open arms to our teams. Please, feel free. Bring my bring my young quarterback another security blanket. Right. Yeah, I don't... I think everyone's afraid to touch him right now because he's just been so fragile the last couple of years. I mean, they should be. Concussions are... Uh, it's been proven. Every every bit of medical research that we have says that uh, once you get one, it's easier to get two. Once you get two, it's much easier to get three and four. After you get three and four, that's you're pretty much just a concussion waiting to happen after that. So, yep. yeah. Um, I would like to see him go back to New England, honestly. Like, that would be kind of... Yeah, kind of a cool... Yeah. That would just... Just for, you know, maybe for just fantasy purposes, maybe I'm kind of... <laughs> maybe I just really want that to happen. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Just for my greedy my greedy aspect of it, like, I'd like to take him in the 13th round and have yeah. him tear it up again. We've reached just about at the bottom of the barrel but honestly I think the Jets could be a little bit intriguing this year a little bit they're going to have one of the better defensive lines in the whole league Um, they've got decent weapons now for Geno Smith um, who finished off last season with a perfect quarterback rating uh, in a game not in the season God not in the season but showed that he can he has the ability is just the decision making is not there a lot of the time. But Geno Smith has the ability, the physical tools. He has weapons now, and Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker. Um, I don't know, man. They're interesting. They're an interesting team. I don't think that they're going to contend. I don't think that they'll be a wild card. But I think that they are interesting. Yeah, that's probably the best way to explain to describe them would be interesting. Um, this is Gino's last chance, I think, in New oh, York. Oh, 100%, especially because right. it's there's a new coaching staff that came in that did not draft him. Um, yeah, and no, tough. they're not interested in playing around with, with, with no. Gino Smith. What's weird about Gino is last year he looked like the absolute worst quarterback in the league from one week to playing Minnesota and all of a sudden hitting every single fucking pass that he ever threw in the first fucking half. Yeah. You can tell I'm a little pissed off about that game a little bit. Even though <laughs> yeah. we won, I'm like... I was watching that game, and it's like, this is Geno fucking Smith. How are we not able to stop him? Yeah, yeah. You know? So he has, like... His pendulum swings are fucking wild as hell. Um, he always seems like he starts the season off horrendously, and then somehow redeems himself after everything is said and done, they're out of the playoffs. Is, uh, you know... Is the pressure? Is he not good with pressure on that? In regard, in regards to that. Oh yeah, he didn't seem to take very well to uh, criticism. So that's 
kind of kind of a problem when you're an NFL quarterback. Um, yep. So yeah. My question is, what's the running game looking like? Name name their running backs off the top of your head. Well, Chris Ivory. Uh, you know what? I can go ahead and say this because this isn't going to affect. Uh, Any, anyway, I was going to try. I was trying to keep this a secret from you, but then we're. This is this is a non-factor in the league that we're against each other. Man, I'm targeting Chris Ivory in my fantasy draft. Everybody wanted him to always get a chance in New Orleans. He's a big-time athlete. He's like 230 pounds, but he's still run a 4-4, um, Very physical, angry running style. You know the Jets are going to fucking feed him the rock all day, all day long. I, yeah. Hey, I, Chris Ivory could be a decent, could get some decent production this year from that offense and that situation up there in New York. Well, they're going to have to because they can't trust Gino to run or Gino to do shit. So. Well, I think that Decker and and Brandon Marshall can make a quarterback look better than what he actually is. They're both uh, physical receivers that can go up for the ball, and they are both really good at creating separation. I have one name for you in regards to Brandon Marshall from last year. <laughs> so if he can't make Cutler look good, and we know Cutler has... I would say Cutler's a better quarterback than Geno Smith. Well, fucking Cutler wants to throw the ball to the other team. That's not... That's not <laughs> yeah, so that, ain't, that ain't Brandon Marshall's fault. Yeah, but so does Geno. So what's your point? It's true. It's true. <laughs> uh, no, seriously, their running game, uh, Ivory, Ridley, Stacy, they got backs. Um, I like Steven Ridley if he could just hold on to the fucking ball. Yeah. Because I drafted him two years ago as a running back, and that's when he decided to have Butterfingers. Yeah. Um, yeah, Ridley's Ridley's an interesting player too. I think they got some interesting guys in that backfield that are going to give them some decent production. Stacy kind of got the shaft in St. Louis, and didn't really go to a better situation here. But yeah, he did look good that one year. Yeah. So I mean, they got Ivory, Ridley, and Stacy. Those three right there, you could probably swap them all out and get production out of all three of them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I don't think anyone. I don't think. Any three of them are going to stand out from the rest of them, but, you know, that's kind of my point of who's the running backs. Well, they're kind of all on the same level, in my opinion, you know. So I think I think that it's it's another – it's a lot like our, our – one of our last previews we did, a lot like Washington. Actually, I think the Redskins the, – the Jets roster is better than Washington's. I think that the Jets are pretty solid to excellent at pretty much every level. Um Especially on defense, that defensive line is going to be fucking insane. They have yep. an awesome secondary um, between signing up Buster Screen and Darrell Reeves back. Secondary is going to be bitching. Um, I think they got solid running backs. They have two a good pair of receivers, but once again, it all comes down to quarterback. They got, they got no quarterback, and you're not fucking going nowhere in the NFL. Uh, unless you have at least competency, somebody you can trust to take care of the game at quarterback, and and I think they Gino do. Smith is not that guy. No, but they do have Ryan Fitzpatrick, who could. They do who, have Ryan Fitzpatrick, but he's been that guy in other places, and it hasn't worked out. He was hey, that he, guy in Buffalo, and it didn't work out. He was that guy down in Houston, and it didn't work out. So I, I don't know why it would here or be that much better. The running game isn't that good. Their yeah. receivers aren't that good. The Jets are the kind of team that if they had a above-average quarterback, they could be very, very good. But, yeah, but their quarterback would need to be the best player on the offense. You know what I mean? 
Yep. And he's the worst player on the offense, which is not going to work out well for them. Yeah, I'd pretty much say that. Um, they got a decent stable of running backs. Uh, wide receivers are good. Jeff Cumberland's tight end. Eh. Give or take. That defensive line scary as shit. Yeah. I mean, they're good. They're going to scare some people. Something. Oh, they're gonna. That's why I say they're interesting because they're not gonna be an easy. That's not gonna be an easy win every week. That's gonna be a pain in the ass because their head coach uh, was the defensive coordinator for the Arizona Cardinals last year, and he loves to fucking blitz his ass off. Yep. And that defensive line is gonna make it very tough for other offenses. Um, they're gonna be that defense is gonna be fucking nasty, yep. nasty, nasty. But I just. I just don't trust the quarterback, the quarterback meltdown factor enough to to think about putting him out there, to putting him above or anything like that. Yeah, if they if they had a more bona fide running back, um, I know you like Ivory, but it's just been it's a it's a cast it's a cast of castoffs, if you will. Well, I like Ivory, but I don't think he's you know going to be. I don't think Chris Ivory's going to be enough to to lift them to yeah. where they need to go. No. So they need a quarterback, and they need—they probably need a bona fide running back. And they had a whole plethora of them available in this draft, and didn't take one. So they so traded for—they traded for Stacy, yeah, but they could have just drafted one of the rookie ones, and they probably would have been better off, in my opinion. For sure. So how do we see it all shaking out? Um, this is a very interesting league because I think the team that both of us have at number three could end up winning it. So it's very interesting. I got Patriots, Bills, Dolphins, Jets. Right down the line with you. And like I said, it's very interesting because if if Tannehill makes the leap into uh, elite status, the Dolphins might win the fucking thing. Who knows? Um, so it, it'll be very interesting to watch. Um, hopefully things get resolved nicely with the uh, Brady and Goodell deal. Um want to thank you guys all for riding with us, with us again. Um, we got all kinds of stuff going on around here. Uh, me and Ty will be back regularly through the football season, both talking fantasy and just straight-up conventional NFL. Um, so we'll be looking forward to giving you that, guys. Ty, thanks for lending us your expertise once again, brother. Thanks again, man.